Hey, this is Shannon Wooten, pastor of New Spring Church, and this is our podcast. I hope it encourages you, and I hope it gives you hope that a new life in Jesus is possible for you. Glad that you're here today, and good to see man, you guys sounded great in worship, and just I feel the connection of your heart and your spirit as you connect with the Lord today. <clears throat> We're going to talk about shook but not shaken. When I always review my notes with Bonnie, and she says, are you sure about this title? I said, yes, just follow me for a moment. Shook, but not shaken. Can you say that with me? Shook, but not shaken. I want us to see that we can be, we can be shook. There's going to be times you're going you're gonna to go through a, a shook. You're going to be shooked. <laughs> but here's the problem. Here's the issue, and here's the focus. You can be sh- shook, but you don't have to be shaken. And we're going to unpack that this morning, and I'm going to give you a couple of things that will help you uh, in your life as you go through certain times of your life. Um, we are tempted sometimes, look at this, we are tempted to do strange stuff when we are shook. Think about it for a moment. We are, when we're shook, we're tempted to do some really strange and weird things. I'm going to give you a light version. Here's an illustration, a very light, lighthearted version of this, and there are some extreme cases to this. But when Chantel, our firstborn, she was a uh, two years old. How many know the terrible twos? They get all over the place, right? And you're doing everything. How many of you know your firstborn baby, you don't want anyone to touch them? They, you got them wrapped in a bubble, right? No one touch them. Don't stick your finger in their mouth. Goo, 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 goo. Do none of that kind of stuff. Stay away from my baby. You've got bumpers on the table on the corners. Light sockets are covered up. But you have about four or five of those jokers. And by the time you get to your fourth or fifth child, you don't care what they do. Go play in the yard. <laughs> Go play with the dog. Come on, somebody. You know what? Do I have a witness? Poor babies. <laughs> so Chantel, here she is. She's young, and we're trying to keep her safe. Someone put a glass of tea on the coffee table, and we, we were youth pastors at this time, and all of our young people, we, we had a great relationship with them, and there was always two or three young teens who loved babies, and so they just kind of watched our kids for us and had a great relationship with them, and Lindsay... Lindsay was watching our, our kids at the time. Bonnie was in the kitchen, and she's playing with Chantel in the living room. Glass of tea on the coffee table. Catch this. And here comes Chantel running for the coffee table, and she's going to grab that glass of tea, and guess what's going to happen? It's going to spill, right? So Bonnie yells, Lindsay, the tea, the tea. And Lindsay shook. She's like, what, what, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? The tea, the tea. Spill it, spill it. So Bonnie can't get all of her words out. Lindsay's so shaken, she grabs the tea and turns it upside down and just walks away from it. <laughs> How many know that sometimes you can be disoriented and lose your focus sometimes and you forget what you're doing? Now, some of the extreme cases is, have you been over, pulled over by a cop? Police officer pulls you over. Yeah, police officer, I did have my seatbelt on. As he's pulling you over, you're clipping it, right? Sometimes we have a tendency to lie when we're nervous or afraid or scared. And sometimes we tell fibs or sometimes we're tempted to lie even. And those are some weird things that we can do when we're shook. Sometimes it's we feel peer pressure and we cave in things. We make decisions that we would never make until we're under that pressure or that we're shook. Sometimes it's irrational decisions that we make crazy. How many of you ever made crazy decisions in some of the worst seasons of your life? I had a wise person tell me years ago, he said, Pastor, don't you ever resign from a church on a Monday. That's what he told me. Don't do it. If you feel like resigning, write the letter out and wait till at least Wednesday. 
There's been times in my life where I have written the resignation letter. Why? Because usually a time of ministry, you're pouring out. All of your emotions are, are, are drained. You get hate mail the next day. Whatever the case is, I don't get hate mail. Uh, but you get, allow these emotions to get to you. You can make irrational decisions. That's why you should always wait. If you're making important decisions in your life, never do it when you're shook because you can make some crazy decisions and you can regret them. Some of the times we, we quit, we back up at the most critical points of our life, and it's usually when we are shook. And I'm going to tell you this morning, there's a couple of things that I'm going to give you that's going to help you to not be shaken when you're shook. So Luke chapter 8, the Bible says that the Word of God is like seed. These are saying the Word of God is going to help you to give you a great foundation to keep you consistent in your life. But the Bible says that Jesus is giving this parable, the story, and he says, but here's what happens. The seed of the word of God is planted in your heart. How many know in a worship service like this, God is speaking to you right now? But on Monday, what happens? Jesus said the cares of this world can come up and choke out the seed, the promise that God is giving you in your life. My caution to you is, is don't let on Monday what God said to you on Sunday, the promise of the breakthrough, the, the promise that God is going to move for you, don't let the Monday cares of the world keep piling up to where you focus more on the cares. Go back to the word of God and the promise of God and stand stable and firm in God's promise. So here's what I understand, that pressures make us want to quit. Troubles make us want to quit when it gets tough. I remember when I was playing for the first time in my life, Little League Baseball. I loved baseball. And I was pretty confident at it. I loved to, to bat. I loved to, to, to catch and all of that. But I remember... The coach was trying me out in different positions, and he sent me and another guy to pitch to get ready to warm up. Somebody grabbed my attention, but even in Little League, I'm telling you, this guy had an arm on him. I bet he was throwing 60 to 65 miles an hour. As he's releasing the ball, someone grabbed my attention. I turn, and the ball smacks me in the side of the cheek. I had five stitches put in because it cut me so deep on the side of my mouth. No joke. Well, guess what happened? I'm, now I am, I'm afraid of the ball. And for weeks, my dad is trying to work with me to overcome that fear. And I began to shrink back into something that I love because I had this fear. Some of you, God has given you promise. You, you, you love his word. You love what he's saying to you. And you feel what God wants to do in your life. But because you've been hit one time after another, something has taken the wind out of your sails, so to speak. Something has attacked your faith. And you are shrinking back from what God wants to do in your life. Can I encourage you, don't shrink back. Pressures make us want to quit, but I'm telling you, don't quit. And Hebrews chapter 10 is where I want us to land today. Hebrews 10, we're going to read verses 32 through 39. But in Hebrews 10, he reminds us that we are not of those who shrink back. That's not you. You gave your life to Christ. You're trusting in him. His promises over your life, and you are a person now who doesn't have this DNA. You're not a quitter. You're not a loser. You're not one who gives up too easily. And that's what the Hebrew writer is encouraging. In fact, he goes all the way back to the foundation of our faith. He begins to point out people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who struggled and went through trials and went through delays even. But even the, the, the delay of God coming through for them was not a point in their life where they shrunk back. Were they shook? Yes. Were they doubting? Yes. Did they do some crazy things? Yes. But that was not enough for them to say, I'm going to shrink entirely back. I'm going to trust God anyway. He's saying that you have a new DNA in Christ. 
is your relationship and cho choice, decision to give your heart to Christ, you now have a new D DNA. You're not a quitter. You're not one who shrinks back. You can go into adversity and stand your ground and stand on the promise of God that he will come through. Do I have a big amen this morning? What if the Bengals would get on the field and what if they say, hey, I would get the first down, but those Steelers keep, they keep, keep preventing us from getting the first down. And what if the Bengals said, because the Steelers won't give up, they won't let us have the first down, what if they said, we're just going to quit, we're going to take our ball, we're going to go home. Maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. Someone needs to talk to them. But what, what is it? We would call them sissies. What are you guys? Come on. You're, you're, you're better than that. You're, ball, you're professional ball players. Can I tell you, because Christ is in your life, you're a professional. Come on, faith-filled person. Feel the Holy Spirit. You are a person who does not give up. You're not a person who shrinks back from the promises of God. Let's read it. Verse 32, chapter 10. Remember those earlier days after you had received light, the light, when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Now he's gonna give them some times where they have, they're shook. You went through suffering, but you endured it. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution and other times you even stood side by side with those who were treated so. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property with joy. Take my stuff. I don't care. You know why? Because this, this temporal stuff is only temporary. I have a greater reward coming. They understood that. So with joy, we accepted the confiscation because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. Now, he's, he's the coach in the locker room right now turning over the benches and throwing, throwing the ball at us and saying, don't throw away your confidence. Keep your confidence up. Why? Because it will be richly rewarded. You need to underline in your Bible. You're going to be tempted to throw away your confidence. The enemy never, listen to me very carefully, the enemy never comes in and just, just wipes you totally out. He starts small. And the one small thing that he can do, if he can get you to doubt God and doubt God's promises, it's his way to inch his way into your life. And before you know it, you have no faith in God. <clears throat> Verse 36, you need to persevere. Someone shout persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay and but my righteous one will live by faith and I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. The devil will tempt you to question God. Part of the parable that Jesus gave of the sower and the seed about the seed being the word of God was not only the cares of this world, but also the enemy. The, the birds would come and try to take away what God is speaking to your heart today. And he says the enemy will come to try to rob that from you. And the enemy can rob God's word out of your life if you listen to him. It was Satan who tempted Eve in the garden. Thanks a lot, Eve. We don't have the nice plush garden today because of Eve. I'm joking. It's not all her fault. But it's not what happened because Satan came and made her question. He said to Eve, did God really say? 
How many times has God spoke to you in a prayer meeting, in a service, in your own devotional time about something that you were struggling with and God gave you a promise and you were going into work strong with your head up, but then all of a sudden something enters your mind. Did God really say? And as you give in to the question, you start questioning God, it's the enemy's way to shake you. Satan will try to use scripture against us. He uses used scripture against Jesus in the wilderness. Satan knows his word. Sometimes Satan knows the word more than what Christians do. He will attempt to use the word of God against you to tempt you to question God, and he will say things like this. If you really had faith, you would not be feeling the way you feel right now. And if you really had faith, you would not be going through what you're going through right now. That, friend, can I tell you, that's not your thoughts. That is the enemy trying to speak to you to get you to doubt God. He would say things, if you were really a child of God, you would not be experiencing this right now. He'll say things to you, if, you re- if God really loved you, you would not be going through this time and this season of your life. Can I tell you, all of those are thoughts that the enemy loves to put into our, he- into our head and tempts us, and I'm telling you, Don't listen to them. Stand your ground. Have confidence in what God has spoke over you. Sometimes he would say, if you really had a call on your life, you would see this or that. Now, I'm not condemning. There is no condemnation for those who are shook. Every one of us this morning in this building and online, you have been through seasons where you've been shook. You're going to go through a shook. I'm just telling you, even when you are shook, You do not have to be shaken in your faith and your confidence. The Hebrew writer is equipping us in this text that when we are shook, he is highlighting the power of confidence and endurance. Will you say those two words with me? Confidence and endurance. You can write this down. Confidence and endurance will be your strength when you are shook. Let's focus on this for a moment. Verse 35, he says, confidence will bring the reward. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't look at confidence as something that is, well, okay, maybe I don't have, I'm praying about it, but I'm not really confident about it. No, 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 no. Embrace the confidence. Not your confidence, not in your ability, not because you're righteous, not because of your good deeds, not because you live right all week long, but you're having confidence based upon what Jesus Christ has done for you at the cross. Are you with me this morning? Verse 36, he said, endurance will see you to the finish line. Starting the race is great, guys, but but the real reward only goes to those who finish. Confidence will strengthen your endurance. And those those, those two work together. It is your confidence that will help you to endure. But if you give up on the confidence and throw it away, you will not have the endurance to finish to victory. You can write this down. Confidence will give you the faith to step it out and endurance is the faith to stick it out. Can I say that again? Because that's really good stuff. That's so good you should be saying three amens on that one. Confidence, let's say it together. Confidence will give you the faith to step it out and endurance is the faith to stick it out. Amen, amen, and amen. Confidence alone is not enough. Confidence without endurance is flakiness. Someone can be confident, but they don't have the ability to to go through with it. 
and it begins to develop a flakiness. We're not flakiness. Come on, we're not flaky people. We're, we're not people who are fickle. We know we have confidence and we have endurance that whatever God has called us to, we're going to go all the way through it. Whether no one goes with us or not, we're going through to the end. You need confidence and you need endurance. Confidence alone, again, is not enough. There's a man, and he's texting this to the love of his life. I'm going to read this to you, all right? Men, take some notes. Her name is Betty, and here's what he wrote. He said, my dearest Betty, I love you beyond words. Webster does not have in his dictionary the necessary vocabulary to explain the depth of my love for you. Thoughts of you dance across the portals of my mind. You are, all my, my, you are my all-consuming passion. So enraptured I, am I regarding my love for you that the Pacific Ocean would be like a pond if I had to swim in. I could do it as long as I knew that you were awaiting me on the other shore. This guy, he's throwing it on thick, isn't he? The heat of the Sahara Desert would never impede my progress to you knowing that you would be the oasis that I that would refresh me when I arrive. Woo, come on somebody. There would be no inconvenience I wouldn't endure for you. Climbing Mount Everest would only seem like getting over an ant's hill if I knew that you were at the precipice. Wow, this guy's good. I'm taking some notes myself. All I'm simply saying to you, my darling, is that my love for you transcends time and space, signed, Sam. Come on, let's hear it for Sam. Well, before you, before you like Sam, he has a P.S. P.S., P.S., I'll see you Saturday night if it doesn't rain. <laughs> Sam, Sam is confidence, but he has no endurance. Sam talks a big game, but a little rain will choke him out. It's easy to talk the talk, guys. It's easy to, to, to get in when everyone is celebrating. It's easy to talk the talk and have the faith when everything's going smooth. But when a little rain comes, a little opposition comes, come on, we need people who can endure, come on, the hard times so the victory can come. Can I hear a big amen this morning? Confidence without endurance is like the grass on a hot summer day. It has no root system. And you and I need confidence and endurance that can endure. Confidence to run, to sprint, but when the opposition comes, we will not wilt. Don't just be a, a project starter. Be a project finisher. If God's called you to something, if you feel like God has prompted something in you and you begin to start it, come on, finish it out. We need people who don't give up on, come on, their relationships because it gets tough. Do I have a witness? Give up on the what God's called us to because we have a little opposition. We need people, come on, with confidence and endurance to see it all the way through. Can I hear a big amen this morning? Don't just be a project starter. Be a project finisher. And I'm going to tell you what will happen when you do. Peace, fulfillment, fruit will never come when you don't learn how to have endurance. Endurance without confidence is complacent. Longevity doesn't necessarily equate fruitfulness. And I'm just saying that you endure some things. Longevity and even faithfulness is not longevity, it's fruitfulness. That you and I need to see the fruit in our life. We assess a tree by the fruit that it bears, not the rings. Come on, within the tree. You know what the rings are. You cut a tree, you can tell how old the tree is. 
but the tree becomes fruitful not because of its longevity or how many years it has survived, but the fruit that it bears. And I'm looking at a bunch of, come on, fruit-bearing trees who have the longevity, who have the long endurance, who have the confidence, and God's going to bring forth the fruit in your life. Can I hear an amen this morning? Joshua chapter 3, the narrative, and I'm going to give you a good example of confidence and endurance here. The narrative is, is that God is giving the promised land, and he calls it, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. You say, what in the world does that mean? It just simply means that there's resource for you. That God is going to bring you into a place, come on, a, a season where there's going to be abundant resource. God said to, to Joshua, consecrate yourself, pull yourself away because I'm about ready to do something great in your life. And he begins to cleanse himself, he begins to purify himself because he knows that God is getting him ready to walk through this promised land. Can I say something to you this morning? That you may have been attacked, you may have been in opposition, but you need to begin to pull yourself away to get ready for what God wants to do in your life. Because here's what I'm telling you, consecration, when you bring yourself into the presence of God and you work on your, your foundation, consecration always precedes promotion. I want us to look at verses 14 through 17 in Joshua chapter 3, and I want to point out a few things here as we come to a close. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at the flood stage all during the harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Isn't that a miracle? It piled up in a heap a great di distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. And while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, this, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off and the people crossed over the opposite uh, Jericho. Verse 17, the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry, uh, dry ground while all Israel passed until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. God said, I'm giving you the promised land, but you're going to have to step into the water. You're going to have to do something. Can I tell you this morning, the enemy, it wants to rob your confidence and he wants to wear you out to where you don't have enough heart to finish what God wants to do because he knows that the promised land or the breakthrough or the victory or the next season in your life, it's coming and there's something great that's going to come and it's not only going to happen for you, but it's going to happen for others. And God said, when you come into the Jordan River, I'm going to let you pass over into the promised land, but here's something that God did. God told them the promised land, but he forgot to tell them that it was flood stage. How many of you have ever been in a, a service or God spoke to you through a message and maybe your own personal Bible time and God gave you the promise, but when, you, <laughs> but when a week comes and before the promise comes, here comes the opposition. You say, God, you left something out. God, you called me to this, but you left out some details. And God always kind of leaves out the details of the stuff that's hard, the stuff of, that makes us uh, that makes us scratch our head, maybe pause for a moment, maybe even back up. God, you called me. You called me to this family. You called me to this marriage. You called me to this ministry. But God, you forgot to tell me about the opposition. You said miracles would come, that reward is coming, compensation for the effort and for your faithfulness. It'll come, God said. 
the breakthrough, it's going to come, but he left out the part that there would be opposition, trials, pushback, adverse circumstance, abandonment, hurt, pain, struggle, dark days, and even depression. God sometimes leaves those out. And most of the time, it's not what we think it will be like as God is unfolding his plan for our lives. I would have, if it was me and I got to the bank of the river, I would have said, assembled a team and said, you guys cut down the logs. You're, you guys over here, you chisel them down and you tie them together and we're going to ferry the people over on a raft. I don't care how many times it takes us, we're going to get everybody across. But God, come on, Noah, this, God, God has a time to build an ark, but this is not a time that God wants to build an ark. God wants to do something different. And we have to be careful that we don't strategize outside of God. Can I, can I, I just feel that this morning that sometimes we can make plans, but God, if you, sometimes you gotta, you gotta step into the water or step into something that just seems like this does not make logical sense. But you, what is that? That is trusting God. Trusting God that he knows what's best for you. And if you are doubting, I would say wait before you make the decision until God gives you the clear directive. Because how many know God's way is better than our way? Can I hear a big amen this morning? The key is hearing God with specific instruction and then have the confidence to stand firm on what he has said and endure through the opposition. I'm not talking about reckless. I'm talking about confidence and knowing God's will. In verse 18, the Bible says that it stopped flowing as the priest got into the water. It stopped flowing for 18 miles. That would be like from Springboro, Ohio to Dayton. Can you imagine walking into the water? You can't even see Dayton from here. But for 18 miles, the Bible says that the water piled up on each side and the people walked over on dry ground. Now, this is amazing to me because who's doing all the work? Who's doing the heavy lifting? And maybe this will bring peace to somebody this morning and just relieve you. Because you're struggling and you're, you feel like you're carrying the load and the weight of the world on your shoulders trying to get through this issue that you're trying to get through. And God says, why don't you just trust me? You stand in this place and I'm the one that's going to part the waters. I'll do the heavy lifting for you. That's a promise for somebody this morning. That standing firm in God's promise is let God do the work. You just stand in confidence that what God said he's going to do. Tony, Dr. Tony Evans says that faith, faith is, is believing that God is telling the truth. How I many believe this morning when God gave you a promise in his word that God is not lying, he's telling the truth? Can we hear a big amen this morning? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than what we can ask or imagine according to the power that is working within us. And can I tell you this morning, listen, the same God who did not tell them about the Jordan River, nor did he tell you about your opposition, is the same God who says, I got another surprise for you. Yeah, I know you had opposition, but I'm also the same God that can part the waters for you. And the same God that didn't tell you the message you're in right now is the same God that will deliver a miracle to you and through you, and you will get to the other side if you have faith and confidence and endure the trial. Can somebody give God a praise this morning? What are you telling me, Pastor Shannon? I'm telling you this, that he, if he called you to it, he will sustain you through it. He is the one that's doing the heavy lifting in your life. In verse five, 15, they stepped in and they stood firm. Now I want you to see this this morning. 
uh, and the worship team can come back. And I want you to see this in the Hebrew when it talks about standing firm, that these priests stood firm and their knees were firm. And literally in the Hebrew, it means strong hands, that they gripped the ark. They had strong hands to not release the ark. They gripped it. They had strong hands and they had firm knees that they stood on the ground and didn't shake, didn't give in, didn't cave in. Can I tell you this morning that strong hands of confidence and knees of endurance is what you and I need. It's the African cheetah who can run 65 miles an hour to, to after its prey. 65 miles an hour. Sorry, 75 miles an hour. But the problem is with the African cheetah is that their heart is so small that it can only do this in sprints. That their heart will give out and they will tire. Can I tell you, you're not the cheetah this morning. That when you gave your life to Christ and you have confidence in God, God has given you a strong heart to endure. And the Bible says, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Can I tell you, that? come on, the world can be turned upside down, but we're going to endure to the end, still believing the promises of God. And our God is a great God who wins every victory, wins every battle, wins every war. I don't know if you read the back of the book, but I did, and we win at the end. Can I hear a big amen this morning? You can't threaten a man's life when he knows his life is not his anyway. It's God's. You can threaten me with everything in this world, but this world is not my home. I'm going to a better place, and God has given me better promises than anything in this world could ever offer. And when you have confidence in it, you can endure anything when you have confidence, come on, in a great God who's given you great promises. Come on, somebody give a Lord of praise this morning. You're firing me up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and it's not of us. Look what he said. He's enduring some things. Look what he did. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Endurance and confidence in the promise. What do you say? We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. Do I have a witness in this place today? Strong hands of confidence in God's word and his promises is what you and I need today. And we need firm knees enduring, refusing to be pushed off because of the circumstances that are around us. I'm telling you, Mom, stand firm. Dad, stand firm. People, people of God, keep your knees straight. Keep your shoulders squared. Stand on the promise of God because God, whatever God said, he is not a, he is not a man that he should lie. He will do what he says he will do. I'll close with this this morning, and we're going to pray for strength and confidence and endurance. But here's, here's what I, I want you to see, because the blessing is not just for you. Amy, come here, help me. Come here, help me out. Stay here with Amy. Stay right here, side by side. Any, meeny, miny, mo. Where are we at? Where's my help at? All right, Jamie, you come over here. All right, stand side by side. Face each other. So you turn this way. You stand over here. You're going to act like you're carrying the ark, and it takes, it takes four of you. So there's a box between you, and you're going to grab the side of it. So turn around. Now back up. Turn around. 
Put your right foot in, put your right foot out. <laughs> I want you to stay right here and face her. And then Amy, you're standing right here. All right, come here. And you're gonna stand right here and you're gonna face Amy. All right. <laughs> hey, I'm just letting you know, I had guys, the first service that illustrated this. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I was gonna mess with you, the Holy Spirit said don't do it, all right. So they have the Ark of the Covenant and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. These are the priests or priestess, 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 princesses. And they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And here's what the Bible says. As they have faith, they have confidence that God said, you stand firm in the Jordan River. So the promise of God is up there. The promise of God, the victory that God has for us is here. It's the praise team, all right? Give it up for the praise team. All right, it's not the praise team, but I'm telling you, the, the promised land is on the other side, and this is the Jordan River, and they step in the middle of the Jordan River, and all of us, guys, every one of us, are waiting for the promise to come into our life. And as we're waiting, we're watching people, the priests, to step in the water, and we're watching them endure, and we're watching them stand firm. And here's what happens. Because they're standing in a place of believing God's promise, every one of us are impacted by their obedience, and we benefit, come on, from them standing firm. And we get to go to the other side of our promised land because somebody stood faithful in God's promise. I'm telling you, the promise of God is not just for you. The Bible says in Romans, he says, when you give your life to Christ, you and your household will be saved. Come on, somebody stand on that promise for a moment. What does that mean? That means as you trust God, you're going to bring, I don't know how many people with you to know Jesus Christ. Come on, because you stood firm and you had the confidence. Does anybody this morning not only want to embrace the promise of God, but you want others to embrace God's promise for their life as well? That you know that Jesus Christ is a Savior. He's a healer. And you don't want to keep all of this blessing to yourself, but you want others to experience Jesus as well. If that's you, come on, give the Lord a praise. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a praise. Thank you, ladies. You did great. So I don't know about you this morning. Can you begin to sing that song? And I want you to begin to lift your hands as we close today. And I want you to say, God, I need a strong heart. I need a heart of endurance. I need firm knees. I need strong hands to believe your promise. Hey, thank you for listening to today's message. We appreciate you tuning in. I hope you subscribe so you can join us back here next week. If you're interested in connecting with us at New Spring Church, text CONNECTNC to 94000. Hey, we're praying for you and we pray God's blessing upon you.